Once again, we'd like to welcome you to the City Builders online service. And if you've been joining us over the uh, last few weeks, welcome back. And for those of you who are here for the very first time this morning, a big warm welcome to you in Jesus' name. We're going to start this morning's service by praying. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would align our hearts, our minds, our actions, and our prayers with what you want to do in this hour. Father, your word says that this is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to your will, we know that you hear us. And if you hear us, whatever we ask, we know that we already have the petitions that we have asked of you. Father, we pray that you would have your way with us in our church, in our own lives, in this city uh, and the region and even in this nation. Father, we declare this morning that this land of Australia is the great south land of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for the incredible prophetic words that have been spoken over Australia, even from the very first discoverer, Pedro de Curos. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. This morning I'm continuing with the theme, the Church of the Living God, and we've already talked about how God has his preordained places that he intends to do things. But he also has a people that are prepared by him beforehand in those places. And these are people that have already been set apart by him for his purposes in that place. And when the church has been built well and built according to the patterns of, that come down from heaven and prepared well, the church can begin to rise and break the cycle of defeat and decline in the nations. First, that cycle needs to be broken in my own life, in your own life, in me, in you this morning. And I wanted to read this morning from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, down to 4. And it says, The Spirit of God is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to console all who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities and the desolation of many generations. This is a wonderful verse of scripture that's all looking forward prophetically toward Jesus, but it's also talking about the church this morning. It's talking about you and me. And I just want to go over verse 4 again because it says, And they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many, uh, many generations. And this morning, I want to highlight on the word they. Who are they? Because where God has already ordained and decided that he is going to move, he has a people there. 
So let's just go back this morning to Isaiah chapter 58 and let's talk about something that is very important happening here, which is what I would call the cycle of decline this morning. And in Isaiah 58 verse 12, the prophet is looking forward and he's saying, those from among you shall build the always places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell us, dwell in. I want you to know, I believe this is us. I believe this is very descriptive of the unique calling that is over the City Builders Church and many churches around the globe that are like us. Let's go down to Isaiah 59 verse 1. It says, Behold, the, Lord, the, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. So this morning as we pray, we really know that God can move on our behalf. In other words, when we do our part, when we line our heart up with God, as we, uh, as we prayed in the opening prayer this morning, that if our heart is aligned with his will, he can really do something. And even turning around a whole nation is not outside the possibilities of God. So that is Isaiah 59 verse 1. In Isaiah 59 2, the scripture says, But your iniquities have separated you from God. The first step in the cycle of decline is an unseen one, maybe not even noticed by our own selves, but it is when it internally my heart begins to drift away from my first priority and my first love, which is the Lord. And this can happen in an individual's life, and it certainly can happen and does happen um, almost inevitably in the life of nations. The moment that our heart begins to drift, there is a departure from the realm of truth. When the cycle of decline begins, you can easily see what comes next. And although it is real, it, it is, it, 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 at the moment it is so important that we have a prophetic insight and we can actually begin to see what is happening before our eyes. I believe right now one of the most important gifts that God has made available is the gift of discernment, which is part of the revelatory gifts that God has made available to the church, spoken in 1, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14. The spiritual gift of discernment is almost like a vital attribute that we need. It is almost like a vital part of our weaponry that we need in these days. And the reason for that is there is so much deception in the nation. Because you see, somewhere along the line, God had set something in motion in this nation. The nation was built on, on its Christian foundations and solid foundations. But somewhere along the line, something began to shift. And I remember back in my... Uh, you know, in my upbringing back in central Victoria, that even in the state schools, uh, the, the school day was opened with an Our Father. And uh, Our Father God was acknowledged. But of course, we know that there are certain energies that have been at work in our nation uh, for quite some time now that have sought to undermine the Christian faith. Uh, 
In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 3 to 5, it describes to a very great degree what is happening in the nations now. Verse 3, For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. And as I read that verse this morning, I think of the unborn babies in the womb that never get a chance to see daylight. In verse 4, it says, No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Now, I believe this is very much the state of, uh, of politics now in the nations, that it is unfortunately drifted to this. But you see, it happens somewhere in somebody's heart where they drifted. You know, something happened in there, in the heart of the nation, which caused Australia to take um, God out of the schools and uh, take the families away from church with uh, sport on Sundays. And there has been a deprioritizing of God in the nation. And this is the beginning of iniquity that causes the nation to begin to go into decline. But this morning, God is doing something. God is raising up his church, which is the church of the living God. This is the church that Jesus is building. This is not the church that man is building. This is not Peter's church, Andrew's church, Mark's church, Paul's church, or Brian's church. This is the church of the living God. Amen. And this is the church that uh, Jacob saw when he was on the road to Haran and he came to a certain place. And that was a place that God had set about to do something in the future. And Jacob was able to begin to pick up what God was doing and something was birthed supernaturally in that place. I wanted to talk about the institutional church because it's been hijacked and stands silently on the sidelines as this obvious spiritual cultural decline takes place. You know, if I look back in my life, I, it was like God gave me an inkling back around the time that I was married that the nation was going into decline. I can remember noticing it in my family and I can remember seeing those around about me and, and it was like a, uh, you know, a change began to come. And the families began to depart from church. And this was a sad day in the nation because we need to come back. And the scripture says in the book of Psalms, it says, what shall we do when the foundations are destroyed? Return to the temple because God is in his temple. And this is what we must do. So the institutional church has been largely hijacked and stands silently on the sidelines as this obvious spiritual cultural decline takes place. In Isaiah 59 verse 14, it talks very much, it describes certain parts of our society, what started as a drift in the heart begins to gain momentum and almost becomes a movement. In verse 14 it says, Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off, for truth has fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Now this is 
uh, now a post-truth era. And we remember that George Orwell's 1984 spoke about that those, there would come a day that those that spoke uh, truth would be hated for it because the nation had drifted so much from the truth. Of course, Orwell's book is fiction. And now I believe that the, uh, the church has a job and that is to make Orwell's book 1984 fiction again. And only as we rise and as we respond to what God is doing in our own hearts here this morning and across the nation and the region can that happen. So uh, going down a little bit further, the nation, you see, uh, it's gone into decline because it's departed from the ways of God and it comes to a point inevitably that there is a cry on the inside of the hearts of men and women that begins to turn the tide in a nation or a society. And in Isaiah 59 verse 19, this is the turning point. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you know, I really believe that the enemy has come in like a flood in many parts of our nation through, through uh, different philosophies, that are taught in universities and schools and the, the drift away from the absolutes. Um, while it may seem okay to some people at the time, it has incredible consequences on the next generation. But here it says in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Now I want you to know this morning that each one of you is, who has received Christ into his own heart, the Bible says that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God lives in you. Amen. You are just not anybody. You are a son of God. You're a daughter of God and God lives on the inside of you and he is going to make a difference in your life. And it is like when the enemy comes in like a flood, there is something on the inside of the people of God who says, no, that is enough, we are pushing back. Amen. And this is what has got to happen in this day. In verse 20, you know, normally the first step, the first um, way to turn the tide is we come to God in prayer. As it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it's about, you know, turning back to God. It is about turning our hearts to him. It's about humbling ourselves and praying. Do you know what? The first step is to acknowledge we have a problem in this nation. And part of the problem, at least, if not most of it, is actually not with our uh, politicians. That's a symptom. The problem is with the church. Because that is where the first drift began to begin in the first place. So in Isaiah 59 verse 20, there is the spirit of the Lord is beginning to rise up. People are beginning to come back to the upper room, as we've talked about the last few weeks, because that was the place where God birthed the church, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. So the first step is when the spirit of the Lord comes in like a flood, the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, rather, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard on the inside of the church and the church begins to pray again. We begin to say in the place of prayer, that is enough, there's going to be a turnaround. Do you know what? This is the authority that God has given his church. And it's very powerful. 
The next thing that happens, do you know what? Whenever we pray, whenever we humble ourselves, whenever we really pray, whenever we turn from you know, those parts of our life that are not right, whenever we really turn away from what is offensive to God, God begins to move and he begins to heal the land. You know, this is if there is enough people praying in the land even if it is a handful, even if it is a genuine remnant who are given to God in this way, God can begin to move on the hearts of many and begin to turn things around. I want you to know that it is not too late for our nation. One of our well-known uh, politicians said just a week ago he believed that it was too late for Australia, a Christian man and a good man, and he said, I believe it is too late. I can I be honest with you? I never believe that it's too late. You know, God often leaves it till the last moment because he's going to show up and he is going to do something. Amen. And I believe that in this season ahead, that is just what our God is about ready to do. In verse 20 of Isaiah 59, it says the Redeemer will come to Zion. Now, if we continue to push in and we continue to pray and we continue to align our lives with the will of God, the Redeemer, who is Jesus himself, it's the Holy Spirit, will come to Zion. And to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, said the Lord from this time forevermore. In other words, when somebody turns their heart back to God, there is a generational breakthrough. You know, what God does begin to do in my life is not only for my children, but it is for my grandchildren and for my grandchildren's children. Is that right? So, so, you know, when we're pushing into the place of prayer, we are not only doing it for ourselves, but we are doing it for the unborn generations to follow. And I believe that as I stand today and as I stand before God as a man of God, that when I speak out of my heart, I'm speaking not only for myself, but I'm speaking even for the un unborn generation and lineage that is ahead. And we see that God does this, that he honours the, uh, the heart connection, the covenant of fathers when they speak. So here it says in uh, Isaiah chapter 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory is risen upon you, for deep darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. As I said before, you know, I saw the trajectory a long time ago. So this morning in verse 4 it says, And they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall raise up the generations, they shall raise up the desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. This is a promise in God's word that God's going to do something. 
You know, that God's going to rebuild his church, that God is going to restore families, that God is going to turn cities around. You know, that God is going to cause the nation to come alive again. Even though the enemy is coming like a flood, God's raising up a standard and God is saying, no, I've got a different idea and I'm going to execute my will through the church. Do you know that is the purpose of the church and that is why we are called the church of the living God this morning. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I've got to, I'm going to do this. This is the promise of God to us. Isaiah 61, verse 4, who are they that God is going to allow to rebuild? Number one, those who love, who have seen prophetically what is happening and what needs to be done. Uh, you know, back there when I started, I just began to see a drift from the foundations. It was like God gave me a prophetic insight you know, right now, whether you're a Christian or not Christian, a believer or a not believer, there are people everywhere that are thinking something is just not right. Even amongst this whole COVID shutdown, there are lots of political forces, there are lots of things happening in the background, and people are thinking there is something just not right. In Australia right now, socially, there is something just not right you know, with the increase of uh, domestic violence and the mental health of young people, there is something just not right. With our morality and the breakdown of family, Australia, there is just something not right. And, you know, here it is the same because God is calling a people and he's calling them out and these ones are the ones that are going to rebuild. Th number one, those who have seen prophetically what, ha what is happening and what needs to be done. And I want to go into the book of Nehemiah there because uh, Nehemiah was one of these leaders. In uh, chapter uh, 1, it talks about how Nehemiah heard about the, the, the fate of the, those that have been taken captivity. Uh, verse 3, and they said to me, the survivors who were left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and the gates are burned with fire. Do you know what? When I think of this verse, I think of what's been happening around the nations, how people are in distress, how people are broken, and we've even seen a lot of fire on the streets. Something has gone wrong. You know, something is not right in the nations. And we, the church, are like Nehemiah because we're beginning to look and see and we're feeling an intensity that we need to respond to the plight and to the situation. So in, uh, Nehemiah heard about the people and he went to the king and he had permission. He came down and he had a look at the walls of the city. And this is in verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and I was there for three days. Then I rose in the night and I and, I, and I and a few men with me, I told no one that my God, what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent wall and refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem 
which were broken down and its gates were burned with fire. You know, what happened here is Nehemiah saw the problem and he was deeply burdened. It was like God had prepared this man to be the answer in that generation. Nehemiah is a picture of the church. He is a picture of the church of the living God. He is a picture of the remnant church that God is going to raise to be an answer in this generation. He was a builder. You know, we call our church city builders because there is a mandate on us. You know, we see the condition, we see what's happening in the land, and God is calling us to rebuild the desolate ruins and the desolate heritages. So number one, there are those that have seen prophetically what is happening and what needs to be done. Number two, who are they? Those who have been prepared in the background. Before nations ever go down, God is at work. I've found this, God is never late. He, he does things on time. Sometimes we might think, God, where are you? But if we keep reaching out to God, if we keep asking God, if we keep petitioning God, it is a matter of time and God will show up. And he will do that. Do you know that so many great leaders were prepared in the background while the nation was sliding, while things were going wrong, while the land of Egypt was drifting into a famine, Joseph was in prison. He was being prepared in the background. When things all of a sudden go sideways, God's anointed leaders, God's on-time leaders seem to appear on the scene and that is their time. Say their time. This is our time. This is your time. And I declare that over you this morning. They've obviously been there all the time, but this is a Kairos time in the nations. And we see it with Elijah. You know, when Solomon dedicated the temple and, uh, you know, the glory of God was in the temple in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It was a great moment in the temple where the glory became manifest. But even there he prayed, God, if things begin, if I begin to move away from you, then remind me. And do you know what he did? It was amazing. It was almost like he was prophesying his own demise. Because what happened to Solomon, who was an amazingly wise leader in his time allowed compromise into his life his heart drifted and the nation went into decline and the end result was a leader who according to the scripture was more evil than any other leader that had uh, ruled before him his name was Ahab and God raised Nehemiah for that sorry Elijah for that time the point is is that as the nation goes down, God is preparing his people. You know, this time of shutdown in the nations, God always knew. You know, it's, he's not caught by surprise, and he's going to do something through his people. You know, his people are the recovery plan. You know, I hope the, I hope the government's got a recovery plan. You know, they're pretty good at telling you they've got a recovery plan. But quite often they don't get a chance to even implement their recovery plan and someone else takes over and we seem to go further down the slippery slope. So this morning, God's recovery plan is you. Yes. 
It's me. It's this church. It's other churches like this through the region. You know, in Elijah's, in Ahab's day and in Jezebel's day, the recovery plan was Elijah. And in the day of Pharaoh in Egypt, God's recovery plan was Joseph. And in the days of uh, uh, the burning down and the breaking of the walls, in the, in the times of Cyrus and Ezra, Nehemiah was the recovery plan. Now the church of the living God is the recovery plan. Say this after me, the church of the living, living God is the best recovery plan that exists on the nation. Amen? It's a matter of time. This is what's happening. So these seem to be, you know, so many things going on here in the background. You know, in the timing of God, everything moves together to bring about the will of God. And that's fabulous. So number one, who are they? Firstly, those who have seen prophetically what was happening and what needs to be done. Sometimes that's happened long time ago. Number two, those who have been prepared in the background. Number three this morning is those who have been gathered for the work. It's really not for us to gather. God just does it. Although it's really smart to invite people to church and to tell people what we're doing so they can connect with us. But I have so found this over the time that God brings the right people. You know, when Nehemiah came back and God moved on him to rebuild the wall, the right people came with him. And God began to do something. I found this uh, from the very first day that when, we, when uh, Lynn and myself were asked to pastor this church, it was like within the first days and weeks, people came and stood alongside us and said, we're with you in this. And remarkably, you know, we've almost been doing this for three decades as those people, most of them are still with us and other generations in the house are following. You see, the point is, is that if God is in the work, we don't have to worry about the people because God is going to bring the people. Amen? I mean, Jesus said, I am going to build my house. So, so, you know, he's not saying, Brian, build my house. He's saying, I will build my house. He wants me to become his co-laborer. He wants his church to align ourselves with what he wants in his heart and he will bring the resources. And that is why God brought you to our church because you are being gathered for the work. You know, Nehemiah has gone down and he's had a look at the wall and he goes, yes, we are in trouble. The wall is burned with fire. And now in verse 18, he says, And I told them of the hand of my God which has been upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. You know, it is amazing because Nehemiah did not come back to Jerusalem without a workforce. You know, uh, God put the people there. So, so uh, let us rise and, work and build. And it reminds me of the last few years as we've been working on these old stables to restore them. And on the opening night, we played a video that talked about this whole restoration process really describes very well the work that the City Builders Church is called to do. 
that we are called to be involved in the reaching out to people, reconnecting people with their destiny, and we are to give them strategies so that the grace of God can restore their lives. And then together as one people, we can begin to rebuild. Rebuild the education system. Rebuild families. Rebuild the nation, one family at a time, one church at a time, one life at a time. This is the call, this is the mandate that God has given us. So here Nehemiah stands as a leader and he says, let us rise and build. And this morning I feel a bit like Nehemiah. I'm saying to our church and I'm saying to those that are part of us, let us rise and build. You know, first God's got to do a work of restoration on the inside of you. You know, sometimes when people come to God, they're all burnt out, they're broken, and they're devastated by things that have been through. But God brings them through, and he restores their life to a place of wholeness so that they become usable in his kingdom. Amen? So the third one is those that have been gathered to build. And Nehemiah's instruction is, let us rise and build. In 19 and uh, 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 chapter, sorry, verse 19 and 20, something funny happens when you decide you're going to do something. Uh, Because here in the very next verse, Nehemiah says, let us rise and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sanballat, the Haranite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, And Geshem, the Arab, heard of it. They laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right in the memorial of Jerusalem. I think this is amazing because when you take on a project like this, do you know what I thought? Some people thought, what on earth are they doing? And some of them were even critical and maybe even some stood in the road. You know, this reminds me of the politicians of our day who can't get their act together and attack the church and are opposed to the church because they have no leadership grace to build anything themselves. You know, God's raising up a generation of builders in the house. God's raising up me. He's raising up you to do something in this hour. So that's good. I just wanted to throw that in to add a bit of colour to the message this morning. Number four, those who have been shaped for the assignment. Who are they this morning? Who are they that are going to rebuild? Who are they that are going to restore? They are the ones who have been shaped for the assignment. Do you know what? We all need to be shaped and prepared for an assignment. You know, someone gives me a job to do, I like to know how to do it. And it's like this, because we are rebuilders. We are builders of the wall. You know, God has used a process with me. Uh, You know, I've been through difficult things and different things over the years. And God has brought me to a place where I've been trained for the assignment. It's through the business work that I've done. It's through the work that I've done, uh, you know, with the government and in different projects. And it is through the way that God has raised me up as a leader. He has trained me and this is the process that God has used. I want to ask you this morning, what is the process that God has used you to bring you to this place? Sometimes, you know, when things go wrong in our life, 
we can almost curse the process. But it is actually at God at work because he is making you someone that he can use in the days ahead. I want to say God's going to use you in the future. God's got a better plan for you in the future. You know, you as someone, God has put something on the inside of you that you can use to rebuild, you know, the city, the community, the families, and even the nation. Amen. We are contributors to the rebuilding effort in this land. Those who have been shaped, shaped for the assignment to partner together. God's called us here. He br he's brought us together to partner together and to complete a God-given assignment together. This is amazing. And it is not always easy. But when you see over the years the work beginning to come to maturity, it is absolutely incredible to see what God has done because God is doing a work in you. You know, uh, the P&G friends of ours, they uh, sing a song called God is in the making. He's in the making of you. You know, God is not finished with you. In fact, God has just started with you wherever you're at today. Say this, God is not finished with me. God is not finished with us. We have a future. Through everything that we are going through today, God is preparing me for a better future. And everybody said, Amen. Let's have a look at this. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7. This is talking about people who have been shaped for the assignment. You know how God shapes us so that we fit and so that we can take our place in the house of God. And it was when Solomon was building the temple, and it says this, and the temple, when it was built, was built with stone finished at the quarry. In other words, God had used a process. So that no hammer or chisel or tool was heard. You know, this is amazing because these are quite big stones that God used, that, uh, that Solomon used to bring in and build the temple. But it says here that no hammer or chisel or tool was heard. It was a perfect fit. Do you know what? For some people, this church is a perfect fit. And you know, if it doesn't fit, do you know what you do? You find the church that is a perfect fit for you. Because not everybody is meant to fit in every church. You know, the church ultimately is not for the people, although it is. But it is for God who is in heaven. And God gives an assignment. You know, it's like God gave Nehemiah an assignment here. And Nehemiah raised the workforce. But everybody's got to be shaped so that they fit in the temple. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And it says, You, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. It is like you are part of the house and you are being built into the house so that God can do what he wants through the house. And this is what we talk about, how God is shaping people for the assignment. Number five this morning. The ones that God will use to restore and to rebuild are those who have the pattern for building and restoration already set on the inside of them.
You know, when Jesus said, I will build my church, there is a pattern, and that comes from heaven. It comes down from the Father who is in heaven. And Jesus is building this church. So there is a pattern. Wherever God is building his house, then God has a DNA. It is like a, a flavour. It is like a culture. It is like a spirit in that place. You know, when Jacob dreamed his dream in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 28, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And it's because of the way the house is built. It is because, you know, yes, we have, uh, you know, human people and, and we have men and women that lead the house from the front. But it is God who is building his church. So Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And there is a specific DNA and there is a specific pattern. There's a pattern that God uses. You know, there is, it's like when you go to the council and you want to do improvements or an uh, extension, you've got to get the pattern approved. You know, we just can't, we're not called to build any old thing. We are called to co-labor with God to build the house the way he desires. And God has brought you here, and what he wants to do is he wants to begin to put a new pattern on the inside. You know, sometimes we can't win in life because we have old negative patterns, negative thought patterns, negative behavior patterns, you know, negative uh, patterns that cause us to react. So God is trying to build us together as a house, but there is a reaction going on on the inside. See, God is at work on the inside of his people this morning. Who are they this morning? Who are the ones that God is going to use to rebuild and to restore the desolate heritages? Number one, those who have seen prophetically what has and is happening and what needs to be done. Number two this morning, those who have been prepared in the background. Number three, those who have been gathered for the work. Number four, those who have been shaped for the assignment. And this morning, number five, those who have the pattern for building and restoration already set on the inside of them. See, this morning I want you just to uh, allow your heart to be open to what God wants to do in your life in the future. Because God has brought us together so that we can build his house, so that we can become co-laborers with God as we, one, build, the, build lives in the church. Number two, build the church as co-laborers. And number three, God has called us to bring restoration in, in the land and in the city. You know, at the end of this shutdown, there is going to be a lot of restoration and rebuilding work that needs to be done. City builders, I just want to say to you this this morning, this is your time. On the opening night of this building, the uh, prophetic word that was spoken over us is that you are living in the times and seasons of God. And I absolutely believe that tonight. I want you to know uh, that Jesus is the Lord. He is the King. He is the Creator. He is our Saviour this morning. And he is the one that is setting the agenda in the house. And you know, our nation really, when we let, let Jesus go out of the education system and out of family life and out of entertainment, 
we really began a slide in this nation. But now God is, through this shake, calling people to come back to him. This morning, God is calling you to come back to him. God even wants me as a leader of this church. In fact, he wants me first to come back to him in every way and reset my priorities. This is what God is doing. You know, the Bible says that God does not wish that any would perish, but all would come to eternal life. All would come to repentance. So this morning we are going to pray. And if you would like to come back to him and set him in the right place in your life again, then I would like you to pray after me. If you would like to, uh, you know, come back and really begin to serve him in the days ahead, that is very important. Just let me lead you in prayer this morning. If you wanted to be born again and to receive Christ into your life today, just pray this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer asking for forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is your Son and that he died on the cross of Calvary, that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and I ask you right now to come into my life and be my personal saviour. I repent of my sins, and will follow you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that I am born again and cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. That is wonderful. This morning I'm also thinking that right across this nation, there are many men and women who've been involved in church and perhaps become disillusioned or hurt and slipped away for one reason or another. And I believe, I just want to say this from the bottom of my heart this morning, that God is not finished with you yet. God is doing something in this hour. And it is time for you, you know, as I said before, the scripture says, when the foundations are destroyed, what shall we do? And the scripture says that the Lord is in his temple. I want you to know that now is the time. You might be wondering, is it time? I want to say to you this morning, it is time for you to return to the house of God. Wherever you are, whether you're in Sale, whether you're in Gippsland or Melbourne or wherever you are in this nation or even in another nation, God is calling you back. I want to say to you, it is time for you to reconnect. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I would just like you, uh, welcome you to make a connection with us uh, on the website uh, because um, if you live in this area, you're welcome to come and connect with us. But if you're from somewhere else across Australia, then what we would like to do is we would like to uh, first send you some information that will help you get started on your journey with Jesus. But it would also be great to connect you with a church, something like this in an area near you. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day. 
and make sure that you are part of the recovery effort and the restoration effort that is coming in our land. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.